This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the governor is back after attending the White House summit on the COVID vaccine, where he got a shout out from the president. Ron DeSantis, Ron. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great job, Ron. While the Gov was acting as cheerleader for Donald Trump, the state health department was reporting 98 more deaths and almost 8,000 new cases of COVID-19. Now that COVID has tanked the tourism trade, agriculture is the biggest economic driver in the state, and the agriculture commissioner says our new hemp crop is turning heads. When our economy needs it most due to COVID-19, we are on the verge of a green industrial revolution here in the state of Florida. With potential for billions of dollars in economic impact, tens of thousands of jobs in the coming years. Florida Tax Watch and the environmental group called 1,000 Friends of Florida team up to tackle MCORS, the controversial plan to build three new toll roads through some of the last undeveloped areas of the state. We believe a new network of toll roads of more than 300 miles through a largely rural, natural, and agricultural landscape is a direct threat to all of those assets that we're dedicated to protecting. You can't have a healthy, thriving, prosperous economy and well-being of taxpayers if we don't take care of our communities and our natural environment. Representative Anthony Sabatini keeps pushing hot buttons in the Florida legislature. The Republican from Howie in the Hills is sponsoring a bill to ban cameras that catch red light runners. It would abolish the Mark Wandel traffic safety law. On today's Sunrise Flashback, you'll hear from Mark's widow, Melissa. This bill was passed in my husband's name back in 2010 after he lost his life due to the negligence of a red light runner. And we were nine months pregnant with our daughter on that day. My daughter was born just two weeks later after this fatal crash. Repealing the red light camera law is just one of several controversial bills Representative Sabatini has filed for the upcoming session. We'll also have your calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man who lets himself be bitten by reptiles. For educational purposes, of course. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, December 9th. On this date in 1994, the U.S. Air Force destroyed the first of 500 Minuteman intercontinental ballistic missile silos that were being dismantled under an arms control deal between the U.S. and the USSR. Some of those silos were eventually turned into subterranean homes that were the envy of survivalists everywhere. On this date in 1994, President Bill Clinton fired Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders for suggesting that masturbation should be discussed in school as part of human sexuality. December 9th is Weary Willie Day, recognizing the art of clowning. It's National Pastry Day, and this is Christmas Card Day, a reminder to get your stamps, envelopes, and cards together so you can share the holiday cheer on time. The governor flies to Washington to get the scoop on COVID-19 vaccines. Ron DeSantis was one of the guests at a White House vaccine summit where Donald Trump said the FDA is just days away from authorizing the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. From the instant the coronavirus invaded our shores, we raced into action to develop a safe and effective vaccine at breakneck speed. It would normally take five years, six years, seven years, or even more. In order to achieve this goal, we harness the full power of government, the genius of American scientists, and the might of American industry to save millions and millions of lives all over the world. We're just days away from authorization from the FDA, and we're pushing them hard, at which point we will immediately begin mass distribution. Despite the rosy outlook of the White House, President-elect Joe Biden says there are serious concerns about vaccine supplies. 
Our preliminary view of Trump administration's vaccine distribution plans confirms media reports. Without urgent action by this Congress this month to put sufficient resources into vaccine distribution and manufacturing, there's a real chance that after an early round of vaccinations, the effort will slow and stall. We need Congress to finish the bipartisan work underway now, or millions of Americans may wait months longer to get the vaccine. We also need the Trump administration to act now, though, to purchase the doses it has negotiated with Pfizer and Moderna, and to work swiftly to scale manufacturing to U.S. populations and the world. And until you can get a vaccination yourself, Biden says a mask is your best defense. I'm going to ask for a masking plan. Everyone for the first 100 days of my administration to wear a mask. It will start with my signing an order on day one to require masks where I can under the law, like federal buildings, interstate travel on planes, trains, and buses. I'll also be working with the governors and mayors to do the same in their states and their cities. We're going to require masks wherever possible. We need your help. Wear a mask for just 100 days. It's the easy thing you can do to reduce COVID cases, hospitalizations, and death. Help yourself, your family, and your community. Whatever your politics or point of view, mask up for 100 days once we take office. 100 days to make a difference. It's not a political statement, it's a patriotic act. Biden spoke just a few minutes before the White House summit began. When a reporter asked the president why he didn't invite anyone from the president-elect's team to take part, Trump said the election isn't over. Well, we're going to have to see who the next administration is because uh, we won in those swing states and uh, there was uh, terrible things that went on. So we're going to have to see who the next administration is. The work that's been done is incredible and it will be incredible for the next administration. And hopefully the next administration will be the Trump administration because you can't steal hundreds of thousands of votes. You can't have fraud and deception and all of the things that they did. Look at all the corruption and we'll see. You can't win an election like that. The state health department confirmed 7,985 new cases of COVID-19 Thursday. That increases the statewide total to 1,073,770. There were 98 newly reported fatalities, which brings the official death toll to 19,627. And as we remind you from time to time, this is the state's official total. The Centers for Disease Control says the real number could be as much as 25% higher. Fallout from the state's raid of a COVID whistleblower. Agents searched Rebecca Jones' home in Tallahassee Monday after the Department of Health complained that someone had used their emergency messaging system. Jones is the data analyst who was fired after she complained of being pressured to fudge the COVID numbers in the early days of the pandemic. Since then, she set up her own COVID dashboard that rivals the state's official portal. A Sarasota lawyer who reviewed that search warrant and the paperwork wrote to the governor Tuesday saying the actions against Jones are unconscionable. Then he resigned his appointment to the state's Judicial Nominating Commission. Ron Filipowski is a Marine veteran, a former state and federal prosecutor, and a lifelong Republican. He says the state's official COVID policies are reckless and irresponsible. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Fried also criticized state agents for drawing their guns when two of Jones' children were in the home. As a member of the state cabinet, Freed is one of the bosses of the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, and you can expect her to raise that issue with FDLE Commissioner Rick Swearingen at next week's cabinet meeting. Speaking of Nikki Freed, she says Florida's hemp industry is growing like a weed. It's been less than a year since the first legal plantings, and the agriculture commissioner says hemp is on its way to becoming one of the top crops in the Sunshine State. 
So at this moment, Florida has 22,078 licensed acres of hemp cultivation after just nearly seven months. This acreage is nearly identical to three of our key crops, tomatoes, watermelon, and snap peas, and is double that of what we have production in strawberries here in the state of Florida. I have projected that we are going to have seen within the next three to five years, nearly 300,000 acres, which is about half of what citrus is. So imagine all the citrus industry here in the state of Florida uh, has about 700,000 acres. Um, and so we're gonna be getting close to half of that um, by within the next few years uh, for the cultivation of hemp. At the current acreage, we expect hemp is for in its first full year to reach 270 million in total economic impact, with more than 136 million in revenue, given hemp's strong potential value of 5,250 per acreage. We expect acreage and sales to continue to grow. Our inline forecast sees hemp reaching again 35,000 acres in just year one creating 9,316 new jobs and 378 million in total economic impact with 191,000 in grower cash receipts and sales values of 17 million in federal, state and local tax revenue. And that is just by April of 2021. These forecasts could reach more than 500 million in total economic impact, more than 250 million in cash receipts and revenue and more than 10,000 jobs in the first year alone. This is very encouraging numbers on a very versatile new crop and proud that we are helping build this industry, not just as a regulator, but as a partner working to build processing and manufacturing capacity here in our state. We continue to build testing and safety infrastructure, currently working to educate retailers on product quality and labeling requirements, ensuring retailers get the necessary food safety permits. When our economy needs it most due to COVID-19, we are on the verge of a green industrial revolution here in the state of Florida, with potential for billions of dollars in economic impact, tens of thousands of jobs in the coming years, potential for innovative new products in the marketplace, like biocomposite building materials, alternatives for plastics, fibers, cosmetics, health supplements, and so much more. Uh, just recently, I came across even a study where they are using hemp uh, to remediate uh, different types of phosphates uh, in the ground and PFAS, uh, which is a chemical that we are seeing more and more across our entire country. Uh, we're also seeing hemp being used as uh, different types of road materials, such as asphalt. Uh, we actually have some houses here already built in the state of Florida using hempcrete instead of normal concrete. This truly is a plant that is going to revolutionize our economy and revolutionize the way that we uh, see things today. Uh, this is a unique opportunity uh, here in the state. Uh, we also, with these regulations, were put into place to regulate the CBD marketplace. We actually are one of the only states across the country has put in uh, robust, robust regulations for the CBD marketplace. Uh, we are still waiting for federal guidelines, uh, but here in our state, uh, we are allowing for the free market to go, uh, entrepreneurs to be entrepreneurs, farmers to be farmers, uh, and really businessmen and women to, to do what they do best. And so this is really an opportunity for us here in the state of Florida to create a new marketplace, a new opportunity for our farmers, and, and something that is going to bring such economic impact here on our state uh, that we are excited for what is on the horizon. Commissioner Freed spoke during an online meeting of Enterprise Florida, a partnership between Florida business and government leaders. Their focus is economic development and job creation.
A plan to build three new toll roads and open vast stretches of pristine land to development is facing renewed opposition from environmentalists and budget watchdogs. The plan is called MCORs, Multi-Use Corridors of Regional Economic Significance. Paul Owen, the president of 1,000 Friends of Florida, says it goes against everything they were created to protect and preserve. The mission of our organization is to promote sustainable growth that preserves what we consider to be our state's most valuable assets, our environment, our working farms, our unique communities, many of them small rural communities, our quality of life and our economy, which heavily depends on preserving each of those other assets. The most obvious examples of that are tourism, our number one industry here in Florida, and agriculture, our number two industry, which both depend on a healthy environment. So we believe a new network of toll roads of more than 300 miles through a largely rural, natural, and agricultural landscape is a direct threat to all of those assets that we're dedicated to protecting. And the threat comes not just from the roads, but from the sprawling, low-density commercial and residential development that new highways tend to stimulate. You expect that sort of thing from environmental groups, but they are not alone. Florida Tax Watch also has grave concerns, including the cost. Tax Watch Director Dominic Calabro says the legislature approved MCORs without any sort of needs or cost analysis, which guarantees trouble down the road. You know, in our opinion, when you follow a rigorous, thoughtful process of any project of this magnitude involving billions, if not tens of billions of dollars, you're going to make mistakes, even with the most disciplined process. When you don't have that processes in place, and it isn't kind of a bottom-up, thoughtful, critical assessment and thoughtful process that's vetted properly, you're going to have a lot, 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 lot more. So we raised some questions, which I was actually, interesting, independently verified by uh, our friends at the Reason Foundation, who would normally support these uh, public-private partnerships, but again said that the tax watch questions that were raised were so fundamental that they themselves could not support this unless those questions were adequately and properly addressed. And also noted the fact that this was not vetted. They've never seen anything vetted, unvetted like this of this magnitude before. So we're really happy to look at this, but again, it's not the end. We're going to continue till we have some better public policy actions and decisions that we think will serve the people of Florida, the environment, and the well-being. You cannot separate the two. You can't have a healthy, thriving, prosperous economy and well-being of taxpayers if we don't take care of our communities and our natural environment. The research director at Tax Watch, Kurt Wetter, analyzed one of the proposed toll roads, the Suncoast Connector. There are several other examples of uh, revenues not meeting expectations, such as the Veterans Parkway, the Seminole Parkway, the Polk Parkway. And the under construction Suncoast 2 has also seen its initial projections decrease significantly. And of course, the most glaring example is the Garson Point Bridge near Pensacola, the famous bridge to nowhere. It was pushed through quickly uh, without due deliberation, and it's uh, fallen way short. Uh, the judge has recently ruled that the cash toll had to be raised to $5, the highest in the state, to help pay off the bills because it, the authority went into um, default. So while it's much smaller in scale and cost, the Garson Point Bridge may serve as a cautionary tale for the Suncoast toll collector. But generally, we found that the Suncoast connector carries significant risks and have a significant price tag, 
with a lot of questions about the transportation need. Moreover, that we this project subverted the normal deliberative process by statutorily mandating that the roads be built before any analysis had been completed. Uh, to do this with the largest transportation project in Florida in at least 60 years brings significant challenges that must be addressed in order to protect both taxpayers and the fiscal integrity of the turnpike system. Just the last thing I want to mention is that the pandemic is going to increase the financial risk of these projects. The pandemic decimated state revenues, over $5 billion lost in the first two years affected by COVID-19. Uh, in addition to state revenue, this also is going to affect turnpike tolls. In the first four months of the pandemic, the turnpike lost $127 million in tolls. And in the first four months of this current fiscal year, it lost $62 million. Uh, so the total over eight months is $189 million less in revenue and $126 million in fewer transactions. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of need for uh, reducing spending. Wenner says the lawmakers pushing MCORs need to remember what happened the last time they approved a big construction project without any sort of financial vetting. There was never enough traffic on the Garson Point Bridge in Santa Rosa County to generate enough toll revenue to pay off the construction bonds, and they're in default. There will be another attempt in the next legislative session to ban the cameras that catch red light runners. That's next on the Sunrise Flashback. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. As the number of COVID-19 cases are increasing, the potential collision of COVID-19 and the flu virus could lead to a new word Floridians do not want to use, twindemic. That is why Florida Blue, the Florida Hospital Association, and the Florida Medical Association have joined forces to encourage Floridians to get their flu vaccine today. Visit floridablue.com, fha.org, or flmedical.org to learn more and support a flu-free Florida. Welcome back to Sunrise. State Representative Anthony Sabatini has filed a bill to repeal the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Program, the law that allows local governments to install automated cameras to ticket red light runners. Wandel was killed by one of them in Sarasota back in 2003, and it took years for his widow, Melissa, to convince lawmakers that red light cameras are lifesavers. She's been back to the state capitol several times over the past decade to defend the law, including this appearance in February. I'm Melissa Wandel, and I am wife of Mark Wandel, of the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act, Act um, the red light safety cameras. For those of you that do not yet know, um, this bill was passed in my husband's name uh, back in 2010 after he lost his life due to the negligence of a red light runner. And we were nine months pregnant with our daughter on that day. My daughter was born just two weeks later after this fatal crash. Today, February 4th, my daughter and I should be celebrating my husband's birthday, his 47th birthday. Instead, I'm up here advocating against a potential repeal of the Safety Act that has been saving lives since its implementation nine years ago. In a day when roadway tragedy is at its highest, we should not be taking down safety tools. We should actually be adding safety measures that will reduce the risk and save lives. Bicyclists and pedestrians, they're our most vulnerable road users. In Florida, we are number one in the nation for bicyclist deaths. We are number two in the nation for pedestrian deaths. At intersections that have the red light safety cameras where crosswalks are present, pedestrian deaths are down by 
Traffic crashes have become a way of life. They're an expectation. We should be outraged that they're an expectation every day. I work all over this country on safety solutions to curb behaviors of roadway tragedy. We need to slow down, we need to pay attention, and we need to support safety solutions that save lives. My husband did not have to die on October 24th of 2003, but he did. When this crash occurred and my husband lost his life, just two weeks shy of our little girl being born, I was not broken and discouraged. I was heartbroken and encouraged. Encouraged to move forward in love, to advocate for safer roads so that other people would not have to walk in the shoes that I walk in each and every day. 16 years later, I have to tell you that I am determined, and I'm determined than ever, to drive down this insatiable heartache on our roadways. One death is one death too many. We have proven safety measures in place, and they are saving lives. For those of you that are for the repeal, I am sorry that you cannot see the value that I see in the Mark Wandel Traffic Safety Act. Supporters of the repeal claim red light cameras do not make the roads safer, and local governments are using them to generate revenue. A ticket costs 158 bucks. The repeal effort had some traction in the legislature over the past few years. The House even voted to kill the cams back in 2018, but the bill died in the Senate. Representative Sabatini has already filed a slate of controversial bills for the upcoming session. He wants to impose term limits on school board members, allow concealed weapons on college campuses, repeal limits on gun and ammo sales during emergencies. He's also filed bills to prohibit the state health officer from ordering anyone to be vaccinated during a public health emergency. And there's a bill he calls the Stop Social Media Censorship Act. He believes they're muzzling conservatives and wants to stop that. Your calendar of events begins at 9 when the Florida Supreme Court meets to consider arguments in four cases. Aides to the governor, the attorney general, the agriculture commissioner, and the chief financial officer meet at 9 to sort out issues that go before the cabinet next week. The Highlands County Legislative Delegation meets at 9 in Sebring. The Central Florida Regional Planning Council meets at 9.30. The Sumter County Legislative Delegation meets at 10 in Wildwood. The Okeechobee County Legislative Delegation meets at 1 in Okeechobee. And at 3, the Florida Supreme Court holds an online induction ceremony to swear in new attorneys. Finally today, a Florida man who makes videos of reptiles biting him says he's doing it all in the name of public education. 21-year-old David Oren Humfelt is a delivery driver in Gainesville who has posted a series of videos on Instagram to show snakes aren't really that dangerous, like the time he jumped into a swamp to grab a Burmese python and encouraged it to bite him. Go, go, quick. I see him. I see him. Oh, I got him. Oh, yes. Oh, 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 yummy. Burmese python. No way. Oh. My goodness, my night is made. Oh, praise God. That was incredible. Oh, okay, we gotta do a pain bite. Let's go. Bite in the pain scale. This Florida man says most of the snake bites he's experienced are not really painful. We'll take his word for it. That's it for this installment of Sunrise. This is Rick Flagg in Tallahassee inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 